Chapter Thirteen of the Alhambra: A Series of Tales and Sketches of the Moors and Spaniards by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: A Ramble Among the Hills. I frequently amuse myself towards the close of the day, when the heat has subsided, with taking long rambles about the neighboring hills and the deep umbrageous valleys accompanied by my historiographer, Squire Matteo, to whose passion for gossiping I, on such occasions, give the most unbounded license. And there is scarce a rock, or ruin, or broken fountain, or lonely glen, about which he has not some marvellous story, or, above all, some golden legend, for never was poor devil so munificent in dispensing hidden treasures. A few evenings since we took a long stroll of the kind, in which Matteo was more than usually communicative. It was towards sunset that we sallied forth from the great gate of justice, and ascending an alley of trees, Matteo paused under a clump of fig and pomegranate trees at the foot of a huge ruined tower called the Tower of the Seven Vaults, de los Siete Suelos. Here, pointing to a low archway at the foundation of the tower, he informed me in an undertone was the lurking-place of a monstrous sprite or hobgoblin called the Belludo, which had infested the tower ever since the time of the Moors guarding, it is supposed, the treasures of a Moorish king. Sometimes it issues forth in the dead of the night, and scours the avenues of the Alhambra and the streets of Granada in the shape of a headless horse, pursued by six dogs with terrific yells and howlings. But have you ever met with it yourself, Mateo, in any of your rambles? No, Signor but my grandfather the tailor knew several persons who had seen it for it went about much more in his time than at present sometimes in one shape sometimes in another everybody in granada has heard of the belludo for the old women and nurses frighten the children with it when they cry some say it is the spirit of a cruel moorish king who killed his six sons and buried them in these vaults, and that they hunt him at nights in revenge. Matteo went on to tell many particulars about this redoubtable hobgoblin, which has, in fact, been time out of mind a favorite theme of nursery tale and popular tradition in Granada, and is mentioned in some of the antiquated guide-books. When he had finished, we passed on, skirting the fruitful orchards of the Henrelief, among the trees of which two or three nightingales were pouring forth a rich strain of melody. Behind these orchards we passed a number of Moorish tanks, with a door cut into the rocky bosom of the hill, but closed up. These tanks, Matteo informed me, were favorite bathing-places of himself and his comrades in boyhood, until frightened away by a story of a hideous moor who used to issue forth from the door of the rock to entrap unwary bathers. Leaving these haunted tanks behind us, 
we pursued our ramble up a solitary mule-path that wound among the hills and soon found ourselves amidst wild and melancholy mountains destitute of trees and here and there tinted with scanty verdure everything within sight was severe and sterile and it was scarcely possible to realize the idea that but a short distance behind us was the henrelief with its blooming orchards and terraced gardens and that we were in the vicinity of delicious granada that city of groves and fountains but such is the nature of spain wild and stern the moment it escapes from cultivation the desert and the garden are ever side by side the narrow defile up which we were passing is called according to mateo el barranco de la tenaja or the ravine of the jar and why so mateo inquired i because senor a jar full of moorish gold was found here in old times the brain of poor mateo is continually running upon these golden legends but what is the meaning of the cross i see yonder upon a heap of stones in that narrow part of the ravine oh that's nothing a muleteer was murdered there some years since so then mateo you have robbers and murderers even at the gates of the alhambra not at present senor that was formerly when there used to be many loose fellows about the fortress but they've all been weeded out not but that the gypsies who live in caves in the hillsides just out of the fortress are many of them fit for anything but we have had no murder about here for a long time past the man who murdered the muleteer was hanged in the fortress our path continued up the barranco with a bold rugged height to our left called the silla de moro or chair of the moor from a tradition that the unfortunate boabdil fled thither during a popular insurrection and remained all day seated on the rocky summit looking mournfully down upon his factious city we at length arrived on the highest part of the promontory above granada called the mountain of the sun the evening was approaching the setting sun just gilded the loftiest heights here and there a solitary shepherd might be descried driving his flock down the declivities to be folded for the night or a muleteer and his lagging animals threading some mountain path to arrive at the city gates before nightfall presently the deep tones of the cathedral bell came swelling up the defiles proclaiming the hour of oracion or prayer the note was responded to from the belfry of every church and from the sweet bells of the convents among the mountains the shepherd paused at the fold of the hill the muleteer in the midst of the road each took off his hat and remained motionless for a time murmuring his evening prayer there is always something solemn and pleasing in this custom by which at a melodious signal every human being throughout the land recites at the same moment a tribute of thanks to god for the mercies of the day it diffuses a transient sanctity over the land and the sight of the sun sinking in all his glory adds not a little to the solemnity of the scene 
In the present instance the effect was heightened by the wild and lonely nature of the place. We were on the naked and broken summit of the haunted Mountain of the Sun, where ruined tanks and cisterns and the mouldering foundations of extensive buildings spoke of former populousness, but where all was now silent and desolate. As we were wandering among these traces of old times, Mateo pointed out to me a circular pit that seemed to penetrate deep into the bosom of the mountain. It was evidently a deep well, dug by the indefatigable moors, to obtain their favorite element in its greatest purity. Mateo, however, had a different story, and much more to his humor. This was, according to tradition, an entrance to the subterranean caverns of the mountain, in which Boabdil and his court lay bound in magic spell, and from whence they sallied forth at night, at allotted times, to revisit their ancient abodes. The deepening twilight, which in this climate is of such short duration, admonished us to leave this haunted ground. As we descended the mountain defiles, there was no longer herdsman or muleteer to be seen, nor anything to be heard but our own footsteps and the lonely chirping of the cricket. The shadows of the valleys grew deeper and deeper until all was dark around us. The lofty summit of the Sierra Nevada alone retained a lingering gleam of daylight, its snowy peaks glaring against the dark blue firmament, and seeming close to us from the extreme purity of the atmosphere. How near the Sierra looks this evening, said Mateo. It seems as if you could touch it with your hand, and yet it is many long leagues off. While he was speaking, a star appeared over the snowy summit of the mountain, the only one yet visible in the heavens, and so pure, so large, so bright and beautiful, as to call forth ejaculations of delight from honest Mateo. Que lucero hermoso, que claro y limpio es, no puede ser lucero más brillante. What a beautiful star, how clear and lucid, no star could be more brilliant. I have often remarked this sensibility of the common people of Spain to the charms of natural objects. The lustre of a star, the beauty or fragrance of a flower, the crystal purity of a fountain will inspire them with a kind of poetical delight, and then what euphonious words their magnificent language affords with which to give utterance to their transports. But what lights are those, Mateo, which I see twinkling along the Sierra Nevada just below the snowy region, and which might be taken for stars? only that they are ruddy and against the dark side of the mountain. Those, senor, are fires made by the men who gather snow and ice for the supply of Granada. They go up every afternoon with mules and asses, and take turns, some to rest and warm themselves by the fires, while others fill their panniers with ice. They then set off down the mountain so as to reach the gates of Granada before sunrise. That Sierra Nevada, senor, is a lump of ice in the middle of Andalusia to keep it all cool in summer. 
It was now completely dark. We were passing through the barranco where stood the cross of the murdered muleteer, when I beheld a number of lights moving at a distance and apparently advancing up the ravine. On nearer approach they proved to be torches borne by a train of uncouth figures arrayed in black. It would have been a procession dreary enough at any time, but was peculiarly so in this wild and solitary place. Mateo drew near and told me in a low voice that it was a funeral train bearing a corpse to the burying-ground among the hills. As the procession passed by, the lugubrious light of the torches, falling on the rugged features and funereal weeds of the attendants, had the most fantastic effect, but was perfectly ghastly as it revealed the countenance of the corpse, which, according to Spanish custom, was borne uncovered on an open bier. I remained for some time gazing after the dreary train as it wound up the dark defile of the mountain. It put me in mind of the old story of a procession of demons bearing the body of a sinner up the crater of Stromboli. Ah, Signor, cried Matteo, I could tell you a story of a procession once seen among these mountains but then you would laugh at me and say it was one of the legacies of my grandfather the tailor by no means mateo there is nothing i relish more than a marvellous tale well signor it is about one of those very men we have been talking of who gathers snow on the sierra nevada you must know that a great many years since in my grandfather's time there was an old fellow Tio Nicolo, by name, who had filled the panniers of his mules with snow and ice, and was returning down the mountain. Being very drowsy, he mounted upon the mule, and, soon falling asleep, went with his head nodding and bobbing about from side to side, while his sure-footed old mule stepped along the edge of the precipices and down steep and broken barrancos, just as safe and steady as if it had been on plain ground. At length Tio Nicolo awoke, and gazed about him and rubbed his eyes, and in good truth he had reason. The moon shone almost as bright as day, and he saw the city below him as plain as your hand, and shining with its white buildings like a silver platter in the moonshine. But, Lord, Signor, it was nothing like the city he left a few hours before. Instead of the cathedral with its great dome and turrets, and the churches with their spires, and the convents with their pinnacles all surmounted with the blessed cross, he saw nothing but Moorish mosques and minarets, and cupolas all topped off with glittering crescents such as you see on the Barbary flags. Well, Signor, as you may suppose, Tio Nicolo was mightily puzzled at all this, but while he was gazing down upon the city, a great army came marching up the mountain, winding along the ravines, sometimes in the moonshine, sometimes in the shade. As it drew nigh, he saw that there were horse and foot, all in Moorish armor. Tio Nicolo tried to scramble out of their way, but his old mule stood stock-still and refused to budge, trembling at the same time like a leaf, 
for dumb beasts senor are just as much frightened at such things as human beings well senor the hobgoblin army came marching by there were men that seemed to blow trumpets and others to beat drums and strike cymbals yet never a sound did they make they all moved on without the least noise just as i have seen painted armies move across the stage in the theatre of granada and all looked as pale as death at last in the rear of the army between two black moorish horsemen rode the grand inquisitor of granada on a mule as white as snow tio nicolo wondered to see him in such company for the inquisitor was famous for his hatred of moors and indeed of all kinds of infidels jews and heretics and used to hunt them out with fire and scourge however tionocolo felt himself safe now that there was a priest of such sanctity at hand so making the sign of the cross he called out for his benediction when hombre he received a blow that sent him and his old mule over the edge of a steep bank down which they rolled head over heels to the bottom tio nicolo did not come to his senses until long after sunrise when he found himself at the bottom of a deep ravine his mule grazing beside him and his panniers of snow completely melted he crawled back to granada sorely bruised and battered and was glad to find the city looking as usual with christian churches and crosses when he told the story of his night's adventure every one laughed at him some said he had dreamt it all as he dozed on his mule others thought it all a fabrication of his own but what was strange senor and made people afterwards think more seriously of the matter was that the grand inquisitor died within the year i have often heard my grandfather the tailor say that there was more meant by that hobgoblin army bearing off the semblance of the priest than folks dared to surmise then you would insinuate friend mateo that there is a kind of moorish limbo or purgatory in the bowels of these mountains to which the padre inquisitor was borne off god forbid senor i know nothing of the matter i only relate what i heard from my grandfather by the time mateo had finished the tale which i have more succinctly related and which was interlarded with many comments and spun out with minute details we reached the gate of the alhambra End of chapter thirteen